Hello there, and welcome once again to the Apocalypse Podcast, the podcast which we eat an entire pig piece by piece for your listening pleasure. I'm James Pilardi, and of course, as always, I'm joined by Chief Taste Tester Sam. Sam, hello. For the final time. Hello. Sam, to paraphrase the pigs in George Orwell's Animal Farm, all episodes of the Apocalypse Podcast are equal some episodes more equal than others. This episode, I think, has a particularly special resonance for us. Why is that? Because it's the last one. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, this is it. This is the last ever episode of the Apocalypse Podcast. Twelve months ago, we got our pig Bebop, and when he arrived, he weighed in at 100 kilos. If you looked in our freezer right now, how much would you say is left? There's nothing left. It's cleared out. Cleared out. I mean, we still have the gelatin, but shh. It's nothing. For the purposes of the uh, audience at home, nothing. we've completely done it. The we... podcast is over. It's not coming back after I'm, this. We're, we're not going to do some special episodes just about how we eat each centimetre cubed of frozen gelatin. Yeah, no. So th- it's all gone. Hooray! Yes, it's true. There's no Bebop left. And seeing as this is the last ever episode, we decided to give him a send-off in style. Are we going to do a really short episode for everyone? Potentially. <laughs> spoiler alert, today's cut of pork is, without doubt, the best cut. Yeah. If you at home have listened to every episode of the Apocalypse podcast so far and have been mentally piecing together all the bits we've eaten like some kind of giant meaty jigsaw, you'll know that there's one key piece of pork that we haven't spoken about so far and is, without doubt, our personal favourite. Sam, what cut is it? It is known as the Boston Butt. Indeed, the Boston Butt, weighing in at a colossal six kilo each. Sam, for one last time, let's talk about the science of pork. Must we? Yeah, so when you cook in a Boston Butt, one of the first things you need to know that a Boston Butt is not a pig's butt cheeks. It's quite important to know what it is. What is it, James? Well, muscles-wise, we're talking about the triceps brachii, the omnotransverius, the tensile fasciae antibrachii, and of course the trapezius, which you may also describe as the shoulder, the first three ribs of the loin section, and the upper part of the foreleg. If you go to your local supermarket and you buy a whole pork shoulder, you're getting most of what consists of a Boston butt, but minus that rib and foreleg bit that I was just talking about. And amongst barbecue pitmasters, it is considered the creme de la creme of pork cuts. This is the one that they use on competition level barbecue. Sam, why is the Boston butt called the Boston butt? Well, apparently, the first known reference to the term appeared in print in 1915 in a publication called Hotel Monthly. Mm. So in like colonial and revolutionary New England, butchers were using special barrels called butts to store this particular cut of pork. And the butchering technique for this cut of pork originated in New England and Boston, hence the name Boston Butt. Wow. So... It's the shoulder. If you want to know what that means in terms of texture and toughness of the meat, think about what pig shoulders do. They propel the pig around the field and they keep it upright when it's standing. So there's probably no other part of a pig that gets as much work out as its shoulders. And that means really tough meat that needs low and slow cooking. Fortunately, there's a wonderful amount of fat rippling through a pork shoulder. And as that fat cooks, it renders into the meat, producing the most wonderfully moist, juicy, primeval eating experience known to humanity. <laughs> right. Over the top much? <laughs> no, I thought that was uh, eloquently written out, and I thought that it, it really summarised my feelings on, 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 on this particular cut. <laughs> Sam, tell me about how pork shoulder is eaten all around the world. It's because it is quite um, like a tough piece of meat, as you say, and it needs to be cooked low and slow. It's 
kind of seen as quite economical and tasty and slow cooked everywhere. So interesting you talk about it being like the creme de la creme for barbecue pitmasters because cooking it in that way makes it super expensive. Anyone who's ever tried to like order it, something like this from a barbecue restaurant will know that it's not actually cheap because that's not a cheap way of cooking. But if you do cook it low and slow, you know, you've all probably heard of pulled pork in the USA. I believe you um, helped to bring pulled pork over to Britain. I introduced James. that to Britain, yeah, yeah along with katsu curry and <laughs> sweet chilli sauce. Sweet chilli sauce. And also salted egg yolks from Malaysia. Like in a year and a half, everyone's going to be doing that. And you brought them I over. brought that over here. Yeah. Carry on. Thought so. Um, also, um, you might have had like carnitas, which is a kind of taco, or pork pibil, which is Mexican style pulled pork. Mm. So there's kind of this whole North, Central, and South American way of cooking. Um, there's some really interesting Italian recipes that I was reading about, like an agro dolce, which is like sweet and sour braised pork or pork with polenta. Mm, so again, good. really low, really slow, making it so it all breaks down. It's kind of ragu-esque. In China and Japan, all braised. Braising, braising, braising. Braising with miso, braising to make it char suey or making it into a teriyaki. So really delicious. Can you imagine like mm. miso glazed pulled pork? 100%. Basically, delicious. Eastern Europe, they kind of go like big on their pork stews, like beer and caraway. Quite similar actually to how we cooked our hocks back in the hock episode. Oh yeah, they were good. Yeah, basically you can do loads with it. If you love the kind of the way of cooking and the taste of it, it all just depends on your mood. You can do anything. So we would recommend that whatever you do, you always have a good carb on the side to mop up all of that delicious sauce. And I think that's what all of these recipes have got in common whether they've got rice or polenta or cornbread or tacos i always think a good slaw goes with a with a pulled pork which is kind of carby but i guess you're having it on a big roll as well aren't you yeah but also if you think about kind of the southeast asian dishes that we, we like in china and japan that they are quite fatty quite intense sauces mm. and you would probably normally have some either like pickled ginger or something like that like to cut through i think coleslaw does the same thing I guess. Because they're really rich sauces, aren't they? And in like Eastern European cooking, you probably would have some kind of sauerkraut or mm. kind of soured cabbage that might go with that as well. So yeah, it's well, a way to go. Wow. Now onto the recipes that we did. There's two shoulders on the pig. The first one we cooked right near the very, very beginning, shortly after we got Bebop, on the 29th of May last year. And it was so good that we thought we would bookend the Bebop experience by making the very last piece of Bebop that we ate which was a couple of weeks ago in April, uh, exactly the same recipe. You can get the recipe that we used, and of course all the recipes from this series, by heading over to apocalypsepodcast.com. And whilst you're at it, say hello to us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram by searching for the Apocalypse Podcast. Although don't expect a reply, because once this episode's done, we're out of here, this podcast is over, finito, and we can get on with our lives. But the recipe we did was, of course, classic Memphis barbecue pulled pork. Wet brine for a couple of days in salt, maple syrup, peppercorns, bay leaves and garlic. Then it was rubbed all over with a classic rub of Memphis dust, paprika, sugar, cayenne pepper, rosemary, etc. 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 I couldn't be bothered to write out <laughs> all of the ingredients. There's but more. you will for the website, right? I will because it will be on apocalypsepodcast.com. We've actually used Memphis dust a couple of times on other recipes. So I can just copy and paste that bit. It won't be too stressful. <laughs> uh, and then the whole thing went onto the smoker for about 14 hours for shredding and serving in rolls with the coleslaw in a sweet, sticky barbecue sauce. At least that was the theory. Now, both times we cooked the butts, we encountered this thing called the stall, which we've talked about on the podcast before. Sam, what is the stall? 
Hmm. Uh, it's got something to do with me not getting to eat at the time that I'm promised food. Uh-huh. Basically, it's science. It's a point in the smoking process where the temperature just kind of flat out refuses to rise, yeah? Mm-hmm. And I can't remember quite why it is, but basically <laughs> it gets to this level and the temperature won't go up and you have to just be really patient. And you can do stuff, I think, to... Like, you can basically stop smoking it and put it in the oven or something. You can try and get it round it, yeah. But you just need to be patient and just just sit it out and wait for it to get over that stall and get up to the temperature that you need it to be. Yeah, like real barbecue aficionados, they will kick off anything other than just powering through the stall. Yeah, but I think we've found a good way round it, right? Because ever since episode one and the ribs where we were, like, not eating until midnight because of the stall, what is your special apocalypse top tip for getting around the stall my special so it basically if you're going to cook something and it's going to take like 16 hours if you wanted to serve it for 8 p.m for dinner then you're effectively going to have to get up at like two or three in the morning to start cooking which is madness i refuse to do that <laughs> so what i found out is that once your piece of meat has been on the smoker for about three hours at that point it is absorbed pretty much all of the smoke that it's it's going to take on like you can keep smoking it but it won't change the flavor because it's kind of saturated and at that point why not just put it in the oven you know oh my god thought you were a barbecue purist even i know rather than like having to every two or three hours return to the barbecue to put more fuel on to keep it going overnight what i would do is like start cooking around 8 p.m then do its three hours on the barbecue until it's hit that saturation point. And then really low oven overnight. Next morning, like, it's probably about there. And it and tastes? It tastes amazing. You don't, you've had to do, like, a tenth of the effort <laughs> that is required to do, to do it all on the barbecue. So that would be my top tip. Now, I know that there'll be some barbecue experts out there who are, like, massively kicking off and say that it wrecks the bark or whatever. But this, I would say, is the best method. And what's the bark again? The bark is like this sort of outer layer that forms on the meat that people love, which gets kind of crispy. It's one of the other really popular methods that people do to try and get around the stall is to effectively cover the whole thing in foil and then put some sort of fruit juice or something in there. But effectively, that then becomes a braising stage and you lose that crispy outer edge. So rather than worrying about what i'm saying is rather than trying to start early in the morning and then you know worrying that you're going to miss your dinner deadline because the pork's decided to be awkward that day i would start it the night before and then you could just finish it off the next day and not be so held back by the timing i feel you've really grown as a cook during this process james i can't imagine that a year ago you would have that would have been your preferred method you're right but I think there's a level of stress that if you can avoid it with cooking, you should. And I did. <laughs> uh, you're right. Sam, how did it taste? Well, like this is the best pork yet. It's very moist. It's really tasty. The bark, the crispy bit on the outside was really good. Even my sister, Amy. Hi, Amy. Who is a flexitarian. <laughs> When she she fancies it, she was eating it and couldn't stop. It's really Moorish. And it's the kind of thing, we took our final piece round to a friend's house for a barbecue, had it all for lunch, and then we just were all picking at it, like, all day. Yeah, it's a good grazing meat, you know. I was really impressed that I've got the proper pink smoke ring on the inside, which is like a legit pit master 
thing. And the rub unit doesn't overpower it. It makes amazing leftovers. I put some in a chili. Get some in bao. We did, yeah. We did have some in, in as an Asian styly. Served it all up with a classic American barbecue sauce. As I said, with coleslaw, I think, both times. And mm, with a slaw, I think like we had a sauerkraut as well. Like Just nice, uh, like acidic type stuff to cut through it. I think it was like practically perfect. It went as good as it could possibly go, and you didn't overpower it with the sauce or the rub. Score. Ten. I'm going ten. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. Well, that's we, such a high note to end on. It's and, great. And that we agree as well. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I mean, that is it. That is the last of the pork. It's the last of Bebop and nearly the end of the Apocalypse podcast. But before we go, Sam, let's talk about the journey that we've been on throughout this last year. First off, we had a global pandemic virus lockdown. How has having an entire dismembered pig in the house comforted you throughout that trauma? Oh, my journey. I feel like I'm on X Factor. I think having Bebop in the house has been like having an extra flatmate. <laughs> it's... Um, <laughs> It's been like a source of conversation for these, particularly at the beginning of lockdown. Mm. It was so good to have like a focus. It was really good to have something to talk about that wasn't coronavirus. Yeah. I think like we probably bored our friends all a bit stupid with talking about our pig adventures. I mean, it's kind of what we're known for now. Like we're, we're, <laughs> Our poor friends and family. We're, we're just known as people that like buy whole pigs. Yeah, so I think that it was very comforting in lots of ways to know that we had this challenge that we were setting ourselves and that whatever else happened, we had something that we could keep coming back to. And I think a sense of routine has been really helpful for lots of people during lockdown. And our routine was eating pork. (laughs) What was your favourite bit of Bebop? My favourite bit was the Boston butt. Yeah, me too. That's a bit too easy though. Second favourite? What was your second favourite? Oh man, second favourite. You know, there's some things I really enjoyed. Like, do you remember we made the ham hock that went in the soup? Mm-hmm. Like in the pea and, pea and ham soup. That was amazing. And in fact, the first ham that we did, which we just did like ham, egg and chips, was delightful. I thought they were great. I was really impressed with that. I mean, I love the short ribs. Like the short ribs and the belly are just amazing cuts. What about you? Well, I don't think that we showed the... We didn't cook the belly during this process to like the best of its abilities. Perhaps. But I do know that it's obviously a nice cut of meat. I really liked the skirt. Skirt was great. I really liked that. It's and a tiny bit on a whole animal, but it's like really good. Bit. Yeah, but it was like it was really interesting to learn about it and it was really interesting to to eat a bit that we probably wouldn't normally buy, but now we might. And I also think massively underrated but were amazing with the chops. The chops are great. Yeah. Chops are so good, and I think your method and recipe you've put on the website is so good that now, when we gave some chops to my dad as an early birthday present to cook, he, direct quote, he cooked them like himself and it was okay, but he followed the apocalypse method and they were the best pork chops ever. Oh, so, yes. yeah, I think we've, we've learned such a lot, right? I, your... say, I say we. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favourite Bebop memory? My worst Bebop memory is... That's not what I asked. I know, no, but I'm reminiscing now. (laughs) Um, It's nostalgia over the last year. It was when we got some of the pork out of the freezer and I smashed a freezer shelf. That was quite early on. That was a low point, actually. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. not my fave. But my best one is salt-baked legs. Salt-baked legs that we did for our birthdays. We were allowed a few people around in the garden. We had that whole leg and it was a really big ceremony. And he, like, cracked it open. 
It was nice. So it was, I, it was at lots of things. It was birthdays, people round, and having a really celebratory bit of meat. How about you? I mean, that was amazing. And actually having everybody kind of congregate around the prize, I guess, if you want to call it. Yeah, and I'm not sure if we would have done that or had that kind of memory if we hadn't had Bebop. You're right. I also really valued, and this doesn't sound like something you would enjoy, but it was really enjoyable, being out in the middle of November and it being, you know, essentially raining and me smoking sausages <laughs> at 10 o'clock at night or something because that was the time that it had to be done. Like, and you just thought, God, what other experience would have brought me out to do this? But at that point you thought, well, like, this pig has really become part of our lives. I'm willing to go to quite extreme lengths to do <laughs> To it. make it taste really good. And, like, guessing up at, you know, specific times of night because something needed to be brined or something needed to be, like, defrosted or whatever... I've really enjoyed that. I really, really enjoyed the fact that it's really been... gone the whole hog. Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like it would be remiss of us not to mention actually a really favourite Bebop memory, and this might sound be a bit squeamish for some people, but was being able to visit Bebop before we ate him. He's um, happy. Yeah, like so happy, and to like really see that whole kind of farm to table thing for real. Like you read about it a lot in magazines, but we really like lived it for a year. Yeah. Seeing him so happy and then us being so happy eating him. <laughs> Do you have any tips for anyone looking to buy their own pig? Well, as experts, I mean, get your own farmer. Um, <laughs> or, yeah, or and your own butcher. Or rather, get to know a farmer and a butcher. Yeah, don't so, like go and buy them as sort of slave labour. Like, just get to know them. And get their advice because they, they know their animals. And I think maybe we could have done a little bit better at getting the butcher's advice a little bit more. Um, right, about yeah. like how to cook things and yeah and also know what you're buying like there's so much that we've learned about pigs taste gross if they're stressed out so you want to have a pig that is calm and chill and lives a nice life so that he or she tastes really good mm. so that's you know that would be some of my top tips how about you i would say labeling is important <laughs> now, we were lucky because we happen to know the the farmer um, and and the butcher so i could just like send a picture message on whatsapp going what the hell is this and they would tell me but if you don't have that and you've just got stuff like in plastic bags going what the hell is this you may have a bit of a problem but that's good for experimenting right i guess but then you don't want to use something that like has to be cooked really quickly and you do it slowly or, or vice versa true yeah we so don't waste it maybe we could have gone for smaller chunks of meat i mean the the irony was is that like when we first got Bebop and we didn't know there was going to be a global pandemic lockdown, we, we deliberately got everything cut into giant chunks because we thought we were going to be sharing it the whole time. But that we weren't allowed to socialise with people because of the nature of the pandemic, which means that we were often cooking bits of meat, which were like for seven, eight people between <laughs> two of us. So we got very, very good at doing leftovers and, and repurposing the meat. But nonetheless, like smaller chunks is no bad thing. You know, 500 no. grams a time rather than four or five kilos at a time yeah well then i guess that's our like our other learning and the bit we've really enjoyed about all of this is like kind of go big or go home like get everything get the grizzly bits experiment maybe have them cut into smaller chunks for sure but get a bit of everything can try like i i know that you know the brain practically made you throw up um Mm. as did the face but I really like, enjoyed eating those bits. Didn't enjoy how it made you feel. But that and the kidneys, they were really fun experiments for me. And you might find some bits that you didn't know that you liked. And then next time 
you know, we're away and we see something like that, we might be less squeamish about ordering different types of food. Yeah, there's definitely more to a pig than just chops and belly and a bit of leg. Like, there's some really amazing cuts out there. But is there anything you would do differently? I think, like, maybe visit Bebop more. Oh. Or, like, I'm not suggesting that I want to butcher a pig in our house. No. I mean, can you imagine the mess that that would make in our flat? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the blood. Oh, well, actually, yeah, the blood. Keep. I think I I love black pudding. I love black pudding. And I wonder if there could be, in the future, if we do this again, about keeping the blood to make black pudding somehow. I think so. I think blood goes off really quickly. So if yeah. we were to make it, essentially we would get the pig on that day and then be pretty much making black pudding there and then. I'm not against it. I've been reading this other book that was shared with us by my friend Lizzie called Everything But The Squeal, which is about eating pigs in Galicia. It's by an author called John Barlow. And there's like these dishes that combine loads of different bits of the meat and they take like four days to make and they are ways of making lots of the grizzly bits and the unpalatable bits and offal really tasty. So I'd think if we did it again, thinking about that. Right, you know, the other thing that I would do differently is try and get more idioms into the podcast. Mm, important, yeah. Yeah, because right at the beginning of this thing, I wrote down this massive list of porky phrases that I've been trying to squeeze into the podcast, but it's kind of harder to script in than you think. But seeing as this is the last episode, I've now got an excuse to use them all, all in right. one go. Here we go. We've got, as happy as a pig in shit, saved our bacon, made sow's ear of it, make a silk purse from a sow's ear, as useless as tits on a boar, pig out, bring home the bacon, save our bacon, eat like a pig, Driving pigs to market, go the whole hog, ham-fisted, ham it up, lipstick on a pig, chauvinist pig, pig ignorant, pigsty, pigs might fly, pork barrel politics, roadhog, I like pig butts and I cannot lie, <laughs> put pork on your fork, greedy pig, getting piggy with it, pig swill, pork belly flop, knife and pork, be thinner than your dinner, I, don't, I can't remember where I got be thinner than your dinner from and where that specifically relates to Where's pork. Where's pork belly flop from? I've never heard that in my life. Oh, it's something on the internet. Everybody's porking. On our way to making it to the pig time. A pig in a poke. Cast pearls before swine. Piggyback. Porky blinders. Piggy in the middle. Pigs might fly. Like a greased hog. Like stink on a pig. Pig-headed. Squeal piggy. Hogwash. Snuffle for truffles. Oink. <laughs> okay, cool. I think we did, like... We got some of them in there. Phew. Could have had more. Okay. <laughs> and that really is it. The end of the Apocalypse podcast. Father, unto thy hands I commend Bebop's spirit. Bebop, if you can hear us, wherever you are, walk towards the light. For me and Sam, it's not the end of our adventures with Pork, is it? It is not, no. <laughs> we have a new pig. Hey. Um, she is a she, and she's called Trotterski. She arrived a couple of weeks ago, and she's currently in the freezer, cut into about 50 separate pieces. <laughs> We hope you've enjoyed the Apocalypse podcast. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And you can get in touch, find recipes, more episodes at apocalypsepodcast.com. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.